Ayo Kina, what are we doing here? What? <laughs> what are we doing here? Oh! We're divesting from whiteness. Welcome, divesting from whiteness. Listeners, I am so thrilled about this episode. And honestly, I'm excited about this season of divesting from whiteness. I feel like everyone that I brought to the proverbial table has led with conviction and passion and vulnerability in seeing the world change. And that is very true about my guest in this episode, my friend Maria. Now, coincidentally, we have a co-star. And if you listen real carefully, you will hear my dog Sammy in the background, the little pitter pit of his feet and maybe a bark or two. So if you're a dog lover, you'll appreciate it. Um, But I want you to know that this conversation was so important that I didn't want to edit anything out that was golden from Maria's lips to your ears. In this conversation, Maria and I are really able to find humor in what can be some heavy thinking about what white supremacy is, what whiteness is. And I think Maria does such a good job of reflecting about what those things mean to her as someone who is racialized as a white person here in the United States. And so what I appreciate is Maria has a reflection that is so deep and nuanced that I think a lot of white people and even people who don't identify as white need to add to their praxis. Moreover, Maria and I do have a conversation about the difference between being a white person and white practicing. And Maria really spent some time thinking about her identity as a white woman and what that means in these larger systems of violence. The last thing I want to do before we start this episode is I want to correct some errors that were made in recording. I incorrectly cite in the People versus Brock Turner court case that the victim is a white person. And I want to amend that to say that Chanel Miller is a Chinese American, and she is also the author of Know My Name, a memoir she created um, after that that trial took place. And the second error I want to correct is that Brock Turner actually spent six months in jail and then three years with probation. So with that being said, I hope that you can enjoy this episode. I think that it is deeply inspirational and as always, continue to do good works. See you on the other side of the episode. Once you change your thought pattern, you change your your attitude. Once you change your attitude, it changes your behavior pattern. And then you go on into some action. As long as you got a sit-down philosophy, you'll have a sit-down thought pattern. And as long as you think that old sit-down thought, you'll be uh, in some kind of sit-down action. They'll have you sitting in everywhere. Break the chain, break the chain, break the chains. I'll be trying to find a way to break the chains. Saying, it be strange, it be strange, it be strange. I'll be trying to find a way to make a change. Break the chain, break the chain, break the chains. I'll be trying to find a way to break the chains. Saying, it be strange, it be strange.
All right, y'all. So welcome. Welcome to the DFW family. It is my honor to introduce you to our residential white person. <laughs> That's on my, my business card. Residential <laughs> white person. Y'all, we have my friend and confidant, uh, Maria Marquis on the line today. And I am so excited. Maria, okay, y'all, I'm not going to give you all of our personal private business, but let's just say Maria is a DEI practitioner. Maria is a theater geek, an artist, an instructional designer, an actor, has a mead recipe for pesto, grows plants, and is, drum roll please y'all, is an audiobook narrator. Yes. So it's very possible that if you have downloaded a book and you wanted the audio version, Maria might be in your ears. Ooh. <laughs> Welcome. <It's true. laughs> Welcome to the podcast. We are lucky to have you. Oh, I'm lucky to have you. I'm really glad to be here. So one of the mainstays over in our neighborhood is we recognize that context means everything. And so because we recognize that context means everything, I'm going to ask you the check-in question, which is, what is shaping your life today? Who is Maria today? And what is shaping Maria's life? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. And I think for me, uh, I'm coming to the space today uh, from California. And California is currently on fire for the second year in a row. And even though I'm safe, thank goodness, uh, there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of smoke in the air, which is a reminder. And it's actually pulling me back to last year when we had orange skies. So today I'm showing up with a little bit of grief, but I'm also really trying to find the present right? Like what is happening right now? Where am I now? What can I find gratitude in right now? Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of this. I'm trying to be gentle with myself, if that makes sense. There's a well, lot. Yeah. <laughs> it totally makes sense. Self-compassion, um, which is not something that we're really afforded in a world that remains so violent. Correct. And I love that you say that, right? Because what you're talking about is the duality of holding both tensions. Mm -hmm. And even though this is not something that this episode is attempting to do, I do want to name the fact that in our work to divest from whiteness, we really start to lean into the fact that we don't have to be one thing at one time. Yeah. Right. We don't have to be happy or sad. We could be sappy. <laughs> Sa sassy or, <laughs> or had or... <laughs> Had had be dad. I kind of like had be dad better. That sounds a little bit more like poetic, right? Yeah, but like being both, right? Like you, you. There is no absolute, right? You can yeah. have both of these things be present in equal amounts, and they can both be true. Yeah, and there's so many things that that having that thought, having that ability to do, can create a lot of healing, right? Because mm -hmm. when we think about, most of us may have had some really crappy experiences with family members or friends or partners. You're like, how could I love this person? But they're a jerk. They rolled over my foot. <laughs> you know? And you're like, well, what could be true is that they are a jerk and also someone you love. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? So yeah, thank you for that reminder. Uh, later in the episode, I'm going to talk about what's shaping my life right now. Maria knows a little bit about this because we had some conversations prior to recording. Mm. But thank you for giving me that reminder to be kind with myself. Mm. Okay, we're going to jump into the juicy. This is going to get spicy. I'm ready. I got my glass All of right. milk, my water. <laughs> My fan, I'm about ready. <laughs> 
Okay, so what does being white mean to you? In case you have not picked up on this, I am a black woman. What? I know, it shocked everybody. <laughs> shocker, shocker. No, honestly though, Maria, people tell me all the time I sound like a teenage white girl. Really? And in hmm. the dating scenario, that could go one of two ways. <laughs> I feel like both of those ways are probably not great though. <laughs> Guys are like, you sound like a 13-year-old white girl. I'm interested. What? Pass. Great. <laughs> Bye. No, thank you. Gross. <laughs> I mean, I could start talking like a 13-year-old teenage white girl too, if we wanted to just do the whole thing in this kind no, of voice. No, that's no, fine. And it's not fair to 13-year-old teenage white girls because they are struggling right now to figure out TikTok. Okay. I, I <laughs> mad props because <laughs> I'm old now and I have faith in their abilities and <laughs> I, I look forward to being corrected and educated. All right. <laughs> but I am a black woman and this series and the platform deals with kind of my reconciliation with these systems, with my own processes and strategies in divesting from whiteness. And that's mm -hmm. why I created the platform. And I think it's important for people of all kind of different backgrounds and of identities to to think through these things. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, I, I f also think that it's important that my audience know that I, I'm having a conversation with you, someone who identifies as white. So we're starting with that question. I just want yeah. to know, I wouldn't just ask like a random person, what does being white mean to you? <laughs> Although that I could, I'm having like a beautiful thing in my head. And I kind of love it. Like that's the starting question for all of my guests. What does being white mean to you? Yeah, I mean, for me, being white means that the world was made for my comfort and my benefit. And it was built so well that it's built in a way that I was also not supposed to notice that. Wow. And and thinking about it's almost like, you know, a wall has been made and there you can't see the cracks between the bricks. Like it's so well constructed to look like one solid thing. And no, there's nothing here. Um, I also think that being white means that there's a, oh, how do I, how do I put this together in my brain? This idea that you can be part of a collective lie yeah, and, and it's comfortable. Right. But for me, I think it's, I, I always come back to the fact that the world was made for my pleasure, comfort, benefit. And it was also made so that I don't have to see that if I don't want to. And that could be part of the reason why for a lot of white people, once they start seeing the cracks, Mm. the reaction is oh shit oh shit. yeah mm -hmm. right and i love that you're saying a collective lie and i want to kind of name two things in response to that one i i i tell people whiteness is the, the world's largest pyramid scheme <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we're all in it we're like oh belief in mm -hmm. the thing right um but the yeah. two things is i think about and I guess let me just assert a trigger warning for people who are going to be listening here because i can see how this could um, really bring up some emotions. But anyone who's had to keep a lie in their childhood, mm -hmm. your parents are doing something inappropriate or you saw something inappropriate and the adults in the room say, hush, yeah. be quiet. And something like that can completely transform your life. Mm -hmm. And right? you get really good at not looking at it. Yeah. Even though you might with all your heart and soul want to be able to look at name confronted, mm -hmm. you get really good at just like, oh, I'm going to, 
going to bend and move and contort and go this way, or I'm just not going to see that. I'm going to put my energy into something else, double down on that so we don't look over here, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, I think, uh, mental contortion and then sort of an internal lie too. Yeah. You kind of do some gaslighting of yourself in a way. Exactly. I remember growing up when there were definitely things that I saw that I wasn't, I now knew I wasn't supposed to see. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in my, in my childhood, I felt like I was looking around to see if anybody else knew the thing that I wasn't supposed to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and Is so, someone going to say something? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Well, hell, that also happens to me as a grown ass woman <laughs> when I was a when I was a professor and I would sit in faculty meetings and I'd be like, is anybody else going to say that this is jacked up? <laughs> no. Okay. Got it. <laughs> this place sucks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is the energy then, Maria, that white people are, are expending in A, concealing the lie? and be convincing themselves that it's not indeed yeah. a lie. I mean, it's a lot of energy, right? And and I say this as somebody who spent a lot of time really invested in making the lie true. Yeah. Because it's uncomfortable and and sorrowful to look at what we have inherited yeah. and to look at how that inheritance is paying dividends towards your again your own comfort. And 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 just the it's it's an, there's this energy of you're either going to use that energy to move forward, leave the world better than you found it, rectify, make change, which is a lot of work, right? Mm. Or you spend a lot of time being like, well, this data, uh, here's another interpretation of it. Or I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. What about this? Because we're also trained to see both sides and you can't see my fingers, but I'm using big old giant block. <laughs> like yes, I can tell. I can tell quotation you. Quotation marks, <laughs> right? That it's like uh, we we have this we're we're trying to use the data to like make something else true and it's it's almost like we um like you're like a a piano teacher who doesn't know how to play piano and mm. like well if I just am one lesson ahead then I can make it work it's like a or another metaphor that I keep thinking of is like a duck whose feet are you know going like mad under the water but it's just so that it can look like everything's fine mm. um but I just always think about the fact that people there's a infinite number of ways that people can make uh an experience a fact serve their own purpose or mm. or diminish somebody's lived experience because it just makes you uncomfortable yeah Right. I feel like I just babbled for a really long time. And no, you, really makes I sense. mean, I mean, honestly, we could stop the recording right here because like, <laughs> I just, I'm like, damn, Maria. Okay. Right. I mm. think you said so much. And I think those metaphors are really helpful. Mm. You know, today I, um, I posted something that said, which for anyone who knows me, I hope it was amusing. Um, cause I both had, first of all, anyone who knows me knows that I, I live to be amused and to amuse. That is my first priority. I mean, right this is why we get along. This is why we right, get along. <laughs> I, I mean, like right on top of that or underneath that is like get reparations for black people. But, <laughs> you know, and I posted and I said, there are white people and then there are people who are practicing. Ooh. Right. And it made me think about those people growing up in New York that people were like, I'm Catholic, but I'm not practicing or I'm Jewish, but I'm not practicing. Right. Yeah. And so, oh shit. <laughs> so there are people who are white and there are people who are practicing and the way that I'm like dividing that up. Right. Is that there are people who are like, look, I'm a white person. I have skin that is light and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm white. 
Okay. Mm. But then there are the people who are practicing. And so those are the people who are actively practicing white supremacy. Those yeah. are the people who are actively practicing whiteness that are doing things to keep the hierarchy, that are doing things to make sure that other racial groups or ethnicities are seen as less than, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, for you, when I when you think about those terms, white, whiteness, white supremacy, like, how do you understand them? How do you relate to them? Yeah. Like, if you were telling that to a six-year-old, hey, little Tommy, let me yeah. explain you. <laughs> totally. First of all, I love this idea of, like, there are white people and then there are people who are practicing white people. I think yeah. that there's also white people who just go to whiteness on Christmas and Easter. Right, where it's like, oh, you know what? In general, I'm here living my accomplice life, but like, when that one, that one, like, I really need to leverage my privilege here in this moment, right? Wait, I uh, need to stop laughing so people can hear what you say. Real <laughs> say it again. Oh my gosh, y'all, that was so great. Do it again, Maria. Do it again. So. When you were talking about there are white people and then there are practicing white people, there's also the white people that just go to whiteness, uh, you know, Christmas and Easter. And by that, I mean, in general, I'm going to be living my accomplice life. I'm going to be being my DEI practitioner. I'm going to be speaking up. But like, ooh, every once in a while, though, I, I got to use that privilege because it feels good. Or like, ooh, it's hard without my privilege being here. Maybe I can lean on it right i mean my kids deserve to go to the best school yeah i just want to live in a nice neighborhood mm -hmm. mm. yeah i'll just talk to that person i know so that right because it's here it's tempting right it's like that siren song because who doesn't want to be comfortable mm. right and i want to and it, i'm going to go back because i want you to really answer this question but i am yes. going to insert an example mm -hmm. here because there's a difference between going to whiteness for comfort or even elevation of one's comfort versus survival. Right. Right. So I officially stopped subscribing in 2016. I marked that as my year. My name is Keena. I'm a recovering white, whiteness person. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been clean for four years now. Sometimes Hello, I, re <laughs> you know, sometimes I relapse, but most often than not, Maria, I relapse because something has to be done. Yep. So for example, <clears throat> a few months back, my car insurance company accused me of like, like sending bad checks or something. It was oh, like, it's a whole bunch of tomfoolery. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I kept asking, I got my very like, can I speak to the manager? Can I speak to the manager? And Ooh. I got to the top of all the managers. And very early on, he must have saw my my name with lots of syllables and was like, you're writing black checks, Joaquina, blah, blah, blah. And just very white guy with me. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, OK, I got two options here. I can be set it off version of myself, but I also need car insurance and I don't have all time a day for this. So there's a part of me that says, how black am I going to have to get? But then there's a part of me that says, how white am I going to have to get? And this, that day I decided to use whiteness. And I, uh -huh. but not only did I do, do use whiteness, I actually used uh, whiteness and then I subscribed to the patriarchy because I got super dumb and super white at the same oh, time. Oh, so you got, you got super white woman-y then. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. Sir, I just don't even know. And I got super Southern. So I mean, <laughs> I did the trifecta. Wow. Okay? Yeah, I hit them where, ooh, 
Get it. Get it. I was like, sir, I just don't even know how to write checks. I don't even know what happened here. And I know you know all the things. But what was funny, do you know how quick his demeanor changed? Oh, oh, I bet, like, immediately. Immediately. And yep, yep. before it was all over, Miss Sweet, I went into the system myself. I fixed this. Blah, 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 blah. And after I got off the phone with him, I was at my mom's house. I was like, I feel so dirty. <laughs> yeah I've been, I've been trying to stay clean for so long but it worked Ugh. yeah but it worked mm -hmm. yep and so to the point where like you're saying about people who are seasonally using whiteness most of the time that is for comfort yeah i have to use that shit black and brown people have to use that shit to survive yes mm -hmm. so i just i wanted to speak to that moment but i want us to go back to that question you know what i'm saying about how yeah. you relate to those three things Yes. So they're white, whiteness, white supremacy. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I would say this, it has changed. Yeah. I used to be really scared of these words because they made me feel guilty. They made me feel shame. All of the, all the stuff, right. It made me feel bad because it made me look at like, it's like uh, the other, the other metaphor, I'm just full of metaphors. It's like when you're in a club, and it's like great and the music is awesome and you're like dancing and you feel amazing you're like yes 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 and then it's like they turn on the lights and you're like oh shit it's <laughs> like there's gum on the floor i'm sweating my mascara's all over the place this guy is not cute she's not cute either what are we doing that is like, cute as i thought right like you it, you look around and you're like oh it's just a dirty sweaty place and those people are are definitely having sex in the corner right um <laughs> And so, you know, looking at it, it you, you don't want to because it's uncomfortable and it, ha it called, it's like, well, now that you know this, what are you going to do about it? You got to, you're now called and accountable to do something. So now where I'm at with these words is uh, the first one is you got to say it. You've got to use the word white because I, I, I think sometimes we don't say that word because, oh, it's scary and it's going to get people going, but really naming it. What's happening right now is this white person has this privilege or white allows white allows me to uh have a, a carte blanche i can do whatever i want and i don't have to be worried about it whiteness capital w and i like that you use the capital w that to me is the system that was built for my comfort benefit protection and i'm using that in gross italic quotes mm -hmm. and then white supremacy is just the sad fact of our world yeah that this is this is the value system that has made the world as it is today that there are certain things that me in the body that i was born into i never have to think about i never have to worry about things that i can try risks that are safer for me to take and i can deploy my identity in ways that that afford me benefit yeah. so i'm not sure kind of how that lands or but that's kind of where i'm at right now where it's like this is this is not a concept this is a reality this is the name for yeah. that feeling yeah that we have no yeah. matter what our relationship is to it yeah i mean it's really powerful and even you saying protection with scare quotes because mm -hmm. you know i tell people all the time that harmful systems whatever we're talking about whiteness wherever we're talking about capitalism mm -hmm. You know, compulsive heteronormativity, yep. the patriarchy. Uh, yes, those things empower some people, but nobody is the winner in those systems. Correct. 
Mm -hmm. And so to the extent that whiteness protects you, right? You know, I always tell people, let's complicate it. Yes, I love because, it. I love it. Right? That's the because, best thing you've ever uh, <laughs> brought into my world is that idea of like, let's complicate our understanding. I love that. Yeah. Let's complicate it, Kina. Complicate it. Do it. Yeah, because I think for white women in particular, where, and also let's give this a, a specific frame. So Maria and I are in the United States. We're talking about this from a specific orientation, although mm -hmm. whiteness is a worldwide project and mm -hmm. entity. Yes. But when I think about in the United States, right, what whiteness has done for white women is very interesting. It's a very interesting machine mm -hmm. because the world is oriented to protect you all, like white women, protection. Yes. But really, I feel like the heart of that protection is surveillance. For sure. Surveillance, and I would, I would layer on that with convenience, yeah. right? Are you a convenient woman? Can you be here? Um, and be convenient. Yeah. And if you're not convenient, then we gotta yeah. slut shame you. We gotta call you a bitch. We have to knock you down and we have to um, diminish you in all ways possible. Yeah. Unless you fit into our little tableau and there can only be a few of you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And two things that I think, two moments that really, I think provide the data to lift this up is when we talk about Brock Turner, who is found yeah. guilty of sexual assault and violence pretty sure his victim was a white woman. Yep. Um, and the judge says, blah, 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 uh, gave him very little jail time. I think it was three months probation, you know, community service because one mistake shouldn't have ruined Brock's Turner's, Brock Turner's life, <laughs> right? But that act of violence certainly had a tremendous impact on his victim. And then we also think of something like, uh, God, forgive me you all for messing this up. But uh, I think her name was Christina. You remember the Supreme Court judge that Donald Trump? Um, oh, uh, uh, yeah, Blasi Ford is her last name. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Brett Kavanaugh is that piece of trash's yeah. name. Yes. That piece of trash's <laughs> name. And whiteness didn't protect her in that moment, right? Like she is having to defend her choices, her agency. I mean, it was horrible to watch mm -hmm. that. Um, and my heart still goes out to what a brave moment that was for yeah. her, right? Mm -hmm. To speak truth to power. And so when I think about white women in particular as being these like kind of standard bearers for whiteness, but whiteness doesn't even wholeheartedly protect them either mm -hmm. when it counts. And then the second group I think about, and you know, Maria, you and I have had a lot of conversations about this is like rural white people, working class white people, yeah, that yeah. whiteness has never protected, and mm -hmm. it still isn't. Yeah, and weaponizes, uh, weaponizes then the class structure to then reinforce the racial mm -hmm. lie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes I want to say to white people, don't do it for me, do it for you. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I, I think it's this, it's that uh, the, the, the system of whiteness also is a system of, of scarcity, yeah. right? That, that here's the deal. We can't put more leaves in the table. It just, that will never happen. And because you are not part of the, the, you know, the real people, then we only have a few seats. So y'all have to fight for it. You have to fight for the kids table and then thank us for allowing you to be at the kids table. 
Um, yeah, and and that I just always think about how um, uh, coming back to our first uh, how we started our conversation today around the idea of like both, correct? You know that it's like you can't be uh, you have to be one thing, so you can't be both. Those two truths can't coexist, right? And I just keep coming back to that this idea of like because you are a woman, then you're covered, right? You can't then talk about well, there's your class now. And you can't talk about how then there's this particular system. We have to put things in boxes according to this system, which just doesn't serve anybody. And then everybody gets gets screwed. And it's like, well, the problem's not down here. The problem is this whole we gotta start a new game, right? We gotta, we gotta put the thing, the pieces back in the box. We gotta start a new game because this game isn't fun for anyone except for you few people, right? I think it's fun for what, 14 people at this point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they own the game and they've like switched things out and they've edited the rule book to be like, see, you're not playing it right. Or like, but you've redacted it. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It's it's so intense, Maria. And it 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 makes me wonder. Right? I yeah. Believe it or not, it's also funny to me because people are like, you hate white people. And I'm like, no, some of my closest friends are white. <laughs> I have white friends. I have white friends, I promise. But I actually spend a lot of time thinking about white people, ironically, mm-hmm. right? And I think about like the folks who, and I don't want to muddy the waters here, but rather we're talking about the people who are like, no mask, it's against my rights. Or the people who, and yes, I gave that person that that voice. Or the people who are white who get priced out of white neighborhoods. Yeah. Right? Are the people who are white who can't afford to bring their kids to hoity-toity charter schools or private mm-hmm. schools, right? Right. And they internalize what what I imagine they're internalizing, which is I'm not good enough. I did something wrong. Look at all the white people before me who can't afford to take their kids to Disneyland. Look at all the white people around me who can live in that area. Yeah. And that 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 whole internalization, right? That reliance on personal ethic. Yeah. It is is so volatile. It's so tremendous. Uh, if I if I'm not Donald Trump, it's because of me. And not recognizing, actually, the rule books are written so that only five people could be Donald Trump at one time. Yeah. And again, the scarcity thing, right? There's not enough resources. So these people are trying to take it away from me. It's that, that's where the problem is. The problem isn't this system is rigged. The problem is, oh, I feel threatened. It must be this. And those 14 people at the top know that and amplify it. And then they fly out of space and remind us. (laughs) <laughs> I know, but he has such a cute little cowboy hat. Little baby got to live his dream. I just can't. I just, we're going to go. I don't know what future generations will say about our now. I I hope they critique the shit out oh, of Right? I'm here for the dissertation for every day of, of 2020. The, every day of 2021, uh, there's a yeah, dissertation for I every just, single I'm day. I'm here for it. I hope... Mm-hmm. Well, it's not going to be the next generation because this generation, they're hooked on TikTok, so it won't be them. I'm here for the TikTok dissertations. <laughs> Give it to me. Let's but, do it. You know, like those 14 guys and, you know, somebody send Jeff Bezos for me. I don't care. But the tremendous cruelty, cru, cru, cruelty mm. that they, 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 they measure out. Yeah. And I don't think we spend enough time talk, calling it cruel, right? Because what does it mean? And I'm just... 
I'm citing this because it's immediately in my head. There are countless examples, but what does it mean that the Jeff Bezos of the world, while we are in a global health crisis, prioritized going to outer space? Well, and not even real space. Like, come on, you hit the atmosphere, <laughs> brother. Like, you uh, you went real high. <laughs> you know? Right? And everyone's like, how cool? And I'm like, y'all are impressed? When really, we should be tremendously angered by that. There are people who, like you said about wildfires and people don't have access to vaccines and masks. And I'm not saying that Bezos has the answer to that, but I'm just naming the cruel, the cruelness of those 14 guys get to live life in a way that both doesn't acknowledge the pain here on the proverbial ground, but two, need our bodies to fuel the machines that yes. allow them to be the 14 guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's one of those where you have the privilege to not have to think about it, right? I have the privilege to be able to sleep easy if I want to and not think about, uh, yeah, the, the actual human bodies that I am building my comfort upon. All right, y'all. I'm about to ask Maria a freestyle question. Oh, sure. Uh -huh. It's just coming out of nowhere. It just Bring came it. out of my brain. I'm here for it. Maria, when was the first time you realized you were white? Ooh, oh my gosh. What a good question. Thank you. So uh, I grew up in Wisconsin. Oh, don't get no white yeah. in the net. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Um, uh, yes, uh, in my high school of 1,500 people, there were uh, four Black kids and two Asian American kids. So everybody else was uh, white. We had the Confederate flag uh, trucks and everything like that. Wait, in Wisconsin? Oh, yeah. Wisconsin is, a my part of Wisconsin is a very conservative part. And in high school, I was like, we are in, we weren't even a state, friends. Like, what are you doing? This makes no sense. Ew, blah. The first time though, I realized I was white. I think like many kids in uh, very uh, segregated parts of our country was in our history unit where we learned about uh, the Civil War. Because fun fact, we did not have the Civil Rights Movement as part of our education until I was in high school. Like it came real late and it was all like, and then we fixed it. Everything's fine. Thank um, you, Dr. Martin Luther King. Thank you so much. Yes, I appreciate you. Um, but in the Civil War, when we were learning about that, that's when we started sort of talking about the whole shenanigans there, but in a very surface way, right? It was like, the South was bad. The North was good. We fought Abraham Lincoln. But, you know, when you're a kid and you start learning that, you can't help but feel like, wait, I'm I would have been fine, but I was in the North, so it wasn't a problem, right? So it's yeah. very, very diminished, but like that, you know, we were talking about, we don't want to name what's happening. Yeah. That's also when I first developed that uh, tactic of, well, we just don't look at it. We just don't talk about it. It's fine. It's not that bad. Things are better now because that was history and that's not now. And my school was not very, uh, you know, it's like public school. So we're working off of the history books that were approved by, you know, George W. Bush's uh, education no, administration. Yeah, right? no child left behind. Exactly. So we were focused on something else and didn't really dig into it. So mm. I was probably 10, but immediately was like, oh, that's too much. We're not going to look at that. <laughs> because, right. Because it's done now. Right. We're, we're done now. Yeah. And then so much of, you know, it's, I, again, I remember, 
I can't even at this point, I wish I could have gotten dollars from all the kids that I had to tell were white. And let me just use this as a public service announcement. Parents of white children, it is not fair that you do not prepare them for the knowledge of what their whiteness is, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like I was the conduit for a lot of my white students finding out that they were both racialized and had racialized experiences. Uh And I think that that was a tremendous burden for me and them. Yeah. Because the way I see it, Maria, the shit that's heavy, that counts. You shouldn't learn that from a stranger. You know what I'm saying? Like You also <laughs> shouldn't learn it late, right? Like the, the lie is only a problem if we don't talk about it. Yeah. Right. And, and um, I firmly think that kids can handle more. Yeah. More. Right. And not like sit down, kid, you got it. But like really thinking about it, like, okay, what is it like when you go and see movies? Do all the kids look like you in the movie? Are you the hero? Who's not the hero? Exactly. Let's think about it. Okay. And also, you know, there's ways to talk about what is ha- what is happening and and helping children be able to approach that not in a, oh, I'm just been thrown into the deep end of the pool and I don't know how to swim. Yeah. But like, let's actually start wading in. Let's figure yeah. it out. Right. And that's yeah, I don't know. Blah blah what blah. I-, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite stories was a student, let's call him John. And you know, we had done uh usually i cross these lectures depending on the classes but i usually give it at least a week you know i try not to rush the conversation mm-hmm. and so we were ending the whole unit on race or whatever and john raises his hand so he's like so what you're telling me is that when my great great grandfather came here he wasn't a white guy correct exactly john he was not okay so then you're saying that he came here and then became white so that he could survive also correct Correct. And then you're also saying that in order to be white, he had to not be all those other things that he was before. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in New York and I can remember second grade hearing about Ellis Island and my teacher was an Italian American woman. Mm-hmm. And the way she talked about Ellis Island, such a place of hope and triumph. And people <laughs> came from the old country and they came to the United States and they signed their new names and they were able to live free, liberty, Statue of Liberty shook their hand. <laughs> but it wasn't yeah. until maybe a year or so ago that I saw one of those ancestry commercials and they were bringing up Ellis Island or something. And I thought, Wow. That is a place of grief. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my mom had a, a nail, uh, like a manicurist that she would go to, uh, cause she liked having, you know, cool nails and everything. Who doesn't? Yeah. And her manicurist last name was Buongiorno, which is in Italian is hello. Good morning. And she realized she's like, wait a minute. I actually don't know where my family is from or what their name is because at Ellis Island, the person was like, what's your name? And they're like, oh, Buongiorno. It's good to, you know, like I'm going to greet you because I'm saying hello. And they're like, great. Your name is Buongiorno. That's who you are now. Like Ellis Island is, uh, you get your name based on clerical errors. And what yeah. is convenient and what can be spelled. And yeah. then, you know, maybe you decide I can't be who I am. I better start covering right away. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's, uh, yeah, Ellis Island, it's true. It's not just like the yes, and now we're here. It's this is how we deal with people and make them fit. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine that some people signed those new names and cried while they did it, Maria. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or like put it down, right? Because we need to survive here. And if we don't have, the right thing yeah we might not we we need assimilation is the name of the game we got to do that from day one yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (sighs) there's so much 
what do you think that white people have taught other white people about being white yeah uh i think it's like it's not your fault you're not a bad person <laughs> it's okay don't feel bad it's you you're it, that's all in the past right i think it's a lot of it's a, it's a lot of just like coddling right then i think about the next level and i think about what are we taught about how we can advocate for ourselves right if i am in a job that i'm not enjoying i have been trained that i can go anywhere that i want and i can ask for more of what i need i can share very direct feedback about what's going wrong that is i i have been taught that you can be bold you have to advocate for yourself you can do it just speak up and you'll be fine and the thing is is that 95 percent of the time because of the body i was born into that is true now in this case we're not, not it's, no one is telling me because you're a white woman and you're already seen as not threatening so if you just come in and you ask people are going to see you as bold right they're not using the W word, but that's certainly true, right? Because not everybody, given again, the identities they hold is gonna be able to do that in a safe way without being seen as like labeled as a problem, uh, a drama queen, not collaborative, rude, right? And, and much more unsavory words as well. But I think a lot of it is, it's either the coddling of it's not your fault, it's okay, or the coded behavior of being able to move freely, speak freely, as that's what's normal. And then if people can't do that, well, they're just, you know, if they could just learn how to speak up for themselves, then it would be different, but they don't. It's on them to be able to bring it in. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I feel like I just kind of yeah. like, it was no, like a I fresh, mean, it was a fresh yeah. thought that it wasn't fully baked. It's fine. Kind of I mean, most of all, white people will understand you. <laughs> <laughs> Calling all white people. No, neighborhood residential white lady on a phone. <laughs> Hello, long time listener, first time crier. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think there's certain um, certain behaviors that are labeled as the way things are and how things should be. Right? For your example, talking to the car insurance person, right? Yeah. Me, it'd be like, oh, if that person's not helping you, find a person who can. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. How come that's hard for you? That's yeah. just how it works. That always works for me, right? Yeah. That I think a lot of the behavior that we have is coded as professional, um, being an advocate for yourself, doing the right thing, common go-getter, common decency. Yeah, all of that shit, I think is, is uh, much of it is that coded, this is how it works for white people. Well, how come it's not working for you? Yeah, I'm not white, but this is something else I think white people tell other white people. You can mm -hmm. tell me if I'm wrong. I'll, I'll tell you if we talk about it at the okay. uh, white, white people social club. At, at the at the pumpkin spice latte conference. Oh, you know, it's actually at you home. Know, okay, you know y'all, you know y'all season had it coming up. You know what I'm saying? It's my high, the high holy days of the pumpkin spice season. Oh, I'm getting ready for my pilgrimage to Trader Joe's. Look, don't you talk about Trader Joe's. I am a fan. I have just gotten with Trader Joe's. Ironically, I thought it was not a space that I could be in. So there's that. Okay. Shout out to Trader Joe's if you need a sponsor. Hey. Hit your girl up. <laughs> I could be the face of Trader Joe's. You should be the face of Trader Joe's. I should be the face of Trader Joe's. I'll call up Joe right now and be like, hey, how are you? <laughs> okay. This is what I think white people tell other white yes. people. Oh my gosh. So, like, I was reading in Robin D'Angelo's book, and I now get all the things about racism, and she's so correct. Thank you, Robin. 
and I'm gonna create like my own platform Mm. and I too am gonna like be a warrior for racism and everyone's gonna love it and all my black friends are gonna be so so happy (laughs) and seen I think that you're on to something and what I would complicate that with is I think that there's this myth that there is a playbook, right? That if you say these words and if you put your, donate your money to these places, then you can be done and that you can get it. And you'll be a good one. And that it's your place, right? It is my place too. Like that, I think there's this like need for action, right? And there is a need for action, but like action where I am the starring role in the center, Mm -mm. right? Mm-mm. and and I yeah that it's like I get it you know and I'm here I'm listening I'm learning I'm in progress right and that and yeah that there's like if I just read these books and say these words then I get it and, and the thing why? is it's like you're just never gonna get it you because you you never you never can get it because you don't have that lived experience and while empathy can get you to a place of um you know close to understanding you're never gonna get it on a biological pri- like deep level and nor is that your right or your place, right? Yeah. But even to the extent that white people can get racism and xenophobia and anti-blackness, you don't get it and then get a star and grow. Yeah. You're not getting your merit badge. Nobody, no, yeah. Nobody's here passing out capes. Nobody's here saying, great. Oh, have you gotten your white fragility badge? Have yeah. you gotten your Ibram X candy badge? Have you gotten your yeah. hooks badge? Like, no. You get it and then you get back in the grind. You Mm -hmm. get it and you go back to the PTA or you get it and then you go back into your school board. You get what I'm saying? You don't get it and then write a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? And I think that, yeah, there's like this need to be loud when it's like, no, it's it's like you kind of show up and and do the unglamorous hard shit. Yeah. Which is talking, you know, speaking up at your your local PTA being like, hey, we really need to re-examine how we're teaching our children and use use the power for good there right yeah because people who get it white people who get it then want to get it and get sexy with it yeah no no it's not this is like missionary shit missionary shit on the regular like yeah yeah we're not here to we're not here <laughs> I, just, I just got it <laughs> and you know what it's both it both meanings of that word <laughs> right but yeah, it's like it, yeah, that it needs to be sexy and beautiful. And like, I got to hashtag and I got to take pictures of myself. Look at this. And I got to, I have to speak about it. It's my place. When it's like, no. no, it's about moving over. Yep. And, and about talking to your white friends about their nonsense. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's about having some serious conversations with your partner. Like, mm-hmm. damn, we might have to pull Johnny out of this racist ass school. Yep. Right. I did a workshop and I kid you not, Maria, I wish I could have like recorded that moment in time. First of all, white people don't ask people questions you're not wanting the answer for. Mm-hmm. So there's that part. So she's word, like- Words to the wise. Yeah. She's like, my name is Jenny and I've done all these amazing things. And I show up for black and brown people like this. Oh, and no. my question for you is, um, well, my kid goes to this school and it's predominantly white. And well, I'm realizing now that that school is taking resources from neighborhood schools. And so like, should I pull my kid out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But her face, Maria. <laughs> oh, I bet it's like, oh no, no, no. But didn't you hear the part where I told you about how I'm showing up? And I just need you, I just need you to make it okay for me to, to look away. 
I was like, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. That's not what I'm here to do. Sorry. I'm sorry. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. And yep. so that's the that's the sexy part. The sexy part is getting in the grind. The sexy part is getting in the ditch. The sexy part mm -hmm. is getting your hands dirty, not showing up, getting manicured so you can be on a photo shoot. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. You I, don't I, need you don't need an audience. You, you and you don't, don't need you don't, an audience. In fact, you don't deserve an audience either, right? Like, no, nah, yeah. you you should be able to do the stuff without your class. And and you know, here's the deal. Like, I I'm saying these things right now. I still struggle with this. Yeah. I, I want my cookie. I want my merit badges. I want people to know. I want my pat on the head. You because want you want old black ladies to say, oh, oh Maria, you showy is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, want so, you want somebody grandma to be like, come on over for Sunday dinner, child. <laughs> yeah. And, and there is a deep, like, um, like a hunger for that recognition. And I realize it's because again, the world has been created to give me recognition for the stupidest shit. Yeah. Right. It feels like a birthright. So like, there's that little animal that wants that little cookie. I want the cookie. Tell me I'm a good person. I want it clap for me. Right. But then being able to be like, no, you can't, that, that is beside the point. Right. I want to call Tyler Perry and ask him to make a Medea movie like Medea meets you know, Jenny at the, at, at Trader Joe's. Oh my God. Medea goes to Trader Joe's. <laughs> Excuse me, Medea. Do you know, is this sustainable? Because I consider myself a global citizen and I am really thinking about my carbon footprint. Also, I just want you to know that I think that you are such an inspiration and I just want you to know that. And I'm just really, it's really so can I get cast in this movie? Can you please get cast in the movie? I have tears, y'all. Oh my gosh. We can create a YouTube series. We totally can. Oh, but we don't need more of we don't need more don't, of my voice. Yeah, we Fuck sure that. Don't. We don't, we don't. I'll sit okay. down. I'll just regale people at dinner parties with that. I'll add it to my type five. Okay, last question. Yeah. What does divesting from whiteness mean to you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Then what it means to me is this is the work of the rest of your life is to notice what's filling up your bank account. And I mean that both literally and figuratively and making the hard choices to say no to that easy cash. Right. And also to not get everything that you want. And that's hard. And that's yeah. That's hard for many reasons. It's hard for us US people because we're taught that we deserve all the things. Yeah, and if we work hard enough, we'll get it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how white people talk to each other too. That's another coded white person message. Yeah. Um, what's shaping me today? So I live in South Louisiana and there's a hurricane afoot and I have to prepare to evacuate. And this Monday, August, this upcoming Monday, um, it's August 29th is the, I forget what hurricane, what anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, but Hurricane Katrina landed in New Orleans on August 29th, 2005. And today I'm thinking about what would it mean to have to negotiate something like this? Mm. That is hard enough as is, but what would it have meant to negotiate it with, like I wrote in my phone, Maria, not only do I have to, to live through racial terror every day, but I have to withstand climate. Yeah. And so, and 
I'm trying to find the best way to say this because I don't want to sound like a dick. Because like I said, lots of people are going to have to evacuate who are all types of racial ethnic backgrounds. You know what I'm saying? But like, what would it look like to like navigate the problems of life without the heaviness of anti-blackness? That's what I'm thinking about. What would it look like to just have a bad day like white people do mm -hmm. without the additional burdens of all the things I, I have to regularly survive. Yeah, That's what is shaping me today. So you have been all of the things I wanted and more. Oh, happy to show up. And yeah, I just real, feel really grateful to, number one, spend time with you because I, I love every minute of it. And number two, um, these questions really got me thinking about how to verbalize and name stuff. And I feel like naming things as you have so wonderfully modeled for me is the beginning of the, the work. And um, yeah, this was just a really deeply uh, moving way to spend an hour. And also I laughed a lot with you, which was great. I know, I know, all <laughs> the impromptu. I, I also wanna say this too. So white people do need each other in this journey to divest from whiteness, but they don't need each other to be fancy and show up in sequence. They need each other in the grind, in the hard shit. And one of the things I encourage in my Patreon, because I have a Patreon community on my platform, is white people, we don't need you to write a book about this stuff, and we don't need you to create a platform about this, but what you can do is support each other. Because from my friends who are white, who start this process, it's incredibly lo lonely, is what I hear. And you lose friends, and sometimes you lose intimacy with family as you divest from whiteness. And I just want to interject that that's how white people can show up in this space exactly show up to hold each other accountable and to provide that kind of emotional support because it's been my experience maria that when white people get quote unquote woke and they can't talk to their family and friends they want to come to me with their emotional stuff mm -hmm. and i don't i can't sustain that you shouldn't have to <laughs> so maria if a white person listens to this episode and they get all the feels i don't want them calling me yeah i don't want them calling you either yeah so is there a way that white people could reach out to you <laughs> hello white people um, residential white person so, here as your residential white person the first thing that i would recommend for white people who are struggling is to sit with that and not have to do anything with it just sit with it listen to it see what comes up for you because sometimes we go to other people to process because it's too hard for us to look at it directly. Mm. So like, look at your shit, see what's there and, and um, not have to make a paper about it or get an A plus on it or turn it into something that you have fully understood, but really sit in, in quiet with that for a while. Then if you ever wanna find me on the internet, right? Um, you, can, you can find me, uh, let's see, I'm actually not a super social person on the internet. I actually have really I try and have boundaries with it. Um, but you can find me uh, for my own practice at coachingbymaria.com. That's me. And you can find my audiobooks on storiesbymaria.com. So if, depending on if you want corporate me or art, artsy me, that's where you can go. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, which I guess is like not cool. Um, I don't think it's cool. I mean, <laughs> maybe if they put the TikToks on it. I know, but you're not going to get that from me. You're just going to get like, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, you're, you're, here's the thing. I am not a poster, but you can find me there. 
Um, I'm trying to get off Facebook because I don't like what it does to me or the world. So like, yeah. let's leave that alone. Yeah. But definitely, you know, reach out to me uh, via my websites. I've got contact forms. I'm happy to talk there, but I really just encourage folks. Uh, sometimes that urge to go to someone else is, is actually a way of getting away from or avoiding actually dealing with the shit. So like spend some time with it and listen to it. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes up. Yeah. Thank you. You have been so gracious. So, all right, y'all, this is Maria signing out. Continue to support the podcast, do all the things, like, share, favorite, and continue to do good things. What Kina said. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Divesting from Whiteness podcast created by my friend Kina Reed. Kina is a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant and educator. She's also the curator behind the Divesting from Whiteness podcast and platform, as well as the Anti-Blackness Reader platform. Divesting from Whiteness was created to start a dialogue that gives folks tools to divest from whiteness and white supremacy culture. You can find it across all major platforms. And remember to do good works. <laughs>